What the world needs now is positivity. Connecting, relating, and being human together is where it's at. Hi there, honey German, and I know life happens, but trust, you got this. And State Farm got us. It feels good knowing that State Farm agents are there to help you choose the right coverage with great support 24-7. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Living life as a gringo Where you question Where you fit And every time you mingle They say you do this With not enough that My rapping is really bad <laughs> This life as a gringo Yes Hello and welcome To another episode Of life as a gringo I am Dramos Of course It is Thursday So that means It is our Thursday Trends episode And I'm really excited About today's guest Because this is her Second time On the podcast And was incredible The first time We had her on So I can't wait to hear her perspective on on some of these stories. She is an incredible R&B singer whose latest single, Exito, is available everywhere right now. Flores, how you feeling? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. Pleasure. Always. Of course, of course. And and listen, um, there's a lot going on. Some of it actually has a lot to do with the things we talked about uh, the first time around and, and things that you're constantly always advocating for. So we're going to dive into a, a few stories. To that point, we'll, we'll talk about what's going on right now with Biden and a border policy that he's uh, going to be getting rid of, a, a border policy that was done under Donald Trump. And there's some backlash going on there. So we'll, we'll get into that. I'll hear your perspective. I know you're always very much up on, on, on that. Yeah, perfect. And we'll also talk about, man, somebody at Disney who got dress coded uh, for for what they're calling a revealing top. And there's been some sort of backlash happening if Disney is taking this whole thing too far. I, I'd love to kind of get your perspective as a woman. We'll, we'll talk about that. On the brighter side of things, man, we will talk about two people who, who have organized and created history when it comes to workers in this country. And we will celebrate them for our Mi Gente segment. And of course, we'll get into all that you have going on as well because you've been putting out some really incredible work lately. So we'll dive into that. And then further down in the show, I'm going to get y'all's perspective um, on, on one of these topics in our Ask a Gringo segment. Before all that, though, man, let's just do a deep dive into some of these heavier topics in a segment we call For the People in the Back. Say a lot for the people in the back.
let's start maybe just a little bit lighter, uh, Ed, and we'll we'll talk about this story that came from from Disney. Now you you have this this woman, uh, Tori Canela, who violated apparently the dress code uh, in in Disney. She was stopped by one of the Disney personnel and told that she uh, violated the dress code, and they made her uh, go and get a Disney T-shirt to to change and, and put that on. Now. There's there's some backlash because she was wearing a crop top, right? There, it wasn't like some crazy outfit. It was a crop top that happened to be like tied together in the front or whatever it was. But nothing, nothing crazy, nothing out of the ordinary. But it, it kind of lends itself, I feel like, and, and at the risk of sounding too woke, but this sort of, man, sexualization of women that we see over and over again, right? And and then it's kind of just said to be, oh, they're doing something inappropriate when they're just being them, right? When they're just essentially being women as dressing as as women do. I mean, so, you know, I, I don't know if you, you've seen the pictures or, or anything like that. But I mean, generally speaking, I mean, when you hear about, about stories like this and, and, you know, when we talk about especially women of color, you know, specifically black and, and brown women, you know, they're, they're told, you know, that things that they do are, are too sexy or they're often viewed and, and sexualized at early ages, you know, I mean, so. Let's talk a bit about your your own thoughts and experiences when you when you hear things like this. What does it kind of bring up for you? Oh man, I haven't heard of this story, but that's a really great that's a really great topic. But um, hmm. I, it reminds me of something with like Nicki Minaj for her Anaconda yeah. video. She had like sure. this the picture of it was like her in a thong, but Taylor mm-hmm. Swift was also in a thong, and right. it was like but they demonized her because she's very voluptuous versus right. Taylor Swift who isn't as voluptuous and sure. how they like how they depict us in a certain way. So I do mm-hmm. really see that, but I didn't yeah. see what she was wearing, but I really don't think we should police people on what they're wearing. It's a free country. We should be able to wear right. what we want, you know, and if right. you're offended, look away. Like, you know, right. like we're all human beings. We all have the same stuff. So I'm like, I didn't even know Disney had a, a dress code. I think that's crazy. Yeah. Apparently, this is a thing like they have security who polices these kinds of things. Uh, and, and I mean, and, and obviously, you know, you have people who take their jobs a bit too seriously at times in any field, right? Whether it's like security or, or anything, anybody who gets put in a position of power, um, you know, there's often stories like that. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a great point to bring up like the Nicki Minaj versus Taylor Swift thing, you know, because it's almost like women are being punished for being born with, you know, a, a voluptuous body, which happens mm-hmm. to be, you know, a general stereotype of, of certain, you know, uh, body types when it comes to being Latin or being, you know, African-American, right. different things like that, you know, and, and it's almost like as, as women, you're like punished for it. And I'll be, and I'll be completely honest. I'm, I'm keen to it a bit more now, but as a man, it's not something that I grew up kind of realizing, you know what I mean? Mm. That That is something that, we're doing or that that we're taught you know i i mean I, i'd imagine even being in the music industry it has to be a bit of a tough balance for for yourself of like you know what's going to be considered you trying to like you know put out your sexiness to get views and things like that i'd assume yeah i mean i try to stay away from all that i think that a lot of yeah. girls they you know you, you got to do what you got to do so i don't judge anybody but i think for myself right. like i feel like if i was to act like this it would it would just distract from the message of what i'm trying to talk about so I don't, right. I don't try to go down that way. Um, I'm also yeah. a grown ass woman, so I'm like, should I be doing right. like? I don't know, you know. Like, <laughs> no, yeah. You know, so, but I get it. Like, I, I get the pressures for women to be sexy yeah. all the time, and also that it gets 
like younger and younger that they start to sexualize women. But particularly for women who develop earlier, I really feel for that because it's not only that you get it all on the street, but like, yeah. you know, at school with teachers mm-hmm. or, you know, it's a really, I think it's really tough for women, especially women of color, because I, it's not just that they're voluptuous, it's that they're respected less as well. Even mm-hmm. within our yeah. own community of men, we're disrespected yeah. more so. So it's really, it's a really sad situation. So that's really sad. Yeah. I, I, I think it's like, it, it's almost like, you know, uh, the men have to kind of have the, the finger pointed back at them as to why, you know, these sort of notions have been, been created, you know, like I, I can't think of, you know, a time where a man like got in trouble for having uh print in like a pair of tight pants. Like you saw, you know, uh, his, his privates, you know, like, the, the shape of it, in a, right. His junk, it was it's like celebrated. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like when Pitbull, like there was that, that picked him, like with his tight ass pants that he wears and like, you know, that that's like this celebrated thing, you know, I can't imagine uh, being in an office building and having to be sit down by my boss, like, Hey, your pants are really distracting people because of the, the your print is showing. You know what I mean? But like the the sad thing is that this is like a common occurrence when it comes to women. You know what I mean? It's like and and it's also you know I I've, I've heard from people in my own life that it's also this common fear that you have. Like, am I going to be taken seriously if I don't over you know uh kind of try to dress you know overly conservative just for for that? You know, and and I imagine it's just it's got to be exhausting to have to have these extra thoughts when yeah. you're just trying to live your life essentially. Yeah. I think it's exhausting just to be a woman. Like just mm. just like, oh, we have to get we have to do so much to just look right. good. And I'm like, right. men just show up. That's it. They wake right. up and show up. Right. And that's it. So yeah. I, I do think it's like the structure of patriarchy. It's the men and mm. then the women who uphold it. Cause right. you know, there's a lot of women like if if I were to wear something scandalous in my formative yeah. years, you know, you get <laughs> you get more like really mean like mad dogging older women who are looking at you like mm. how dare you disrespect right. god you know like yeah. <laughs> so, right especially in our, our community that's mm-hmm. very conservative you mm-hmm. know i mean they say they're conservative but i think they're not they're not on the deal they're not no what do you know? mean by that <laughs> i feel <laughs> like there's always some drama in our families you know like my right. grandfather had two women in his life, you know, that he had a love mm. affair with. That's not, and sure. he, he got buried next to them. They're, they're, he's buried in the middle of his mistress and his wife. And it's wow. like, you know what I mean? It's, and we have to just yeah. accept it because it's like, well, he was a good man. He put, he put bread on the table. So, you know, right. that I accept for his, and I don't think that's conservative. I think, you know, and that's normal, yeah. you know. Right. Right. Well, that that even is like when you talk about the idea of like a patriarchy, that's also like, well, he's the man. So you can't really question too much what he's doing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and I think I, to your point, there is a hell of a lot of hypocrisy that happens within our our community, you know, about, you know, they, they police certain things, but other things they're OK with kind of turning yeah. a, a, a blind eye to, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're like, I know I've heard some women who are like older women, so abuelas mm-hmm. are like. Yeah. No, at least he didn't beat me. And I'm like, well, right. he talked to you like, like shit. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. So it's a really weird, like, there's a real weird space for us, I think, as women of color and women of marginalized communities where we sit because it's a lot of battles we have to fight. So right, it's, um, right. it's, I can only speak for my community, but sure. I feel like they, that Latin men or Latino men, however they identify it, should build or uplift our women. I feel like they just mm-hmm. don't do that in our community it's not normal yeah <laughs> like 
generational kind of trauma and a lot of like things that have been passed down that are that no longer serve us ideals that no longer serve us right i talk about mm-hmm. that kind of thing a lot mm-hmm. in, in my content it's kind of like we have to unlearn a lot of the nonsense mm-hmm. that we've been taught yeah. you know um it, because it just doesn't serve us anymore you know what i mean like it, it, even even like from the most practical way if, if in america the idea of just one person being the one that brings in the income and controls like the household in that yeah. way like it doesn't make sense anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Like we don't, we, people aren't getting paid enough money to survive like that anymore. So like, even if you want to, you aren't involved enough to have this conversation from a, you know, a moral compass standpoint, like practically speaking, it doesn't make any sense for no. like the man to have to be the breadwinner and, and like him just because he wants to be in control. Like none of this kind of makes sense. And we have to do a better job of kind of unlearning a lot of that. I totally agree. And I think it's a lot on men, like just to yeah. have to be, and then you have to be emotionally supportive and you have to, now right. the game has changed. Now you've got to be all yeah. these things. And I'm like, that's a lot yeah. for guys. Like, right. and, you know, and then have to pay for everything. It's like, you know, I can, I can pay for myself. I can buy right. my own groceries. I pay my own rent. You know, it's those sorts yeah. of things. It's like, you know, I think it's a, I think in this era, particularly, there's been like a rise mm-hmm. of Kevin Samuels. You know, like the the mm. sort of like male podcaster, like, and you're just like, what do these? Do, are there men who really think like this? Like high value women, high value men. You know, that's um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guys, like I, I I don't understand like the audience for for somebody like him. You, you're bringing up somebody who literally just like irks at my last nerve because it just is so like idiotic the the mm. things that he talks about you know and anybody that's not familiar he, he just has like this male superiority complex mm. and is like really good at dict at, at, at wanting to tell women how they should be acting in, in yeah. his own eyes to like basically be subservient to a man um and then shaming women in so many mm-hmm. ways like women yeah. will ask for advice and he just shames them essentially yeah, yeah he's super mean i'm yeah. like girl why did yeah. you call him like what? <laughs> <laughs> but he's got like a million followers so it's like people right. but, men but that's like the thing yeah, men like him, but then obviously there's a, also a sector of women who still somewhere in the back of their mind believe that this type of behavior is okay, mm-hmm. right? Because okay. there still is a level of like trauma that they're dealing with, that this is how they were brought up, and they're just continuing on this really terrible kind of notion of devaluing themselves as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's it's so deeply cultural, deeply embedded in us, but that's yeah. going to take a long time to get out of our system, right. the way I see it. Even for yeah, myself, yeah. I have toxic masculinity traits where I'm like, oh, a man should be able to fix a car and fix the plumbing and like my brothers <laughs> and my dad, you know what I mean? And I'm just, I have to yeah. check myself sometimes in my relationship because yeah. I'm like, modern men don't know how to do that. You know, they don't, right. they don't, and they shouldn't have to. It's, it's, right. I should do it. I should try to do it. That's mm-hmm. the way I see it. So it's like, yeah, we're trying to break it. Right, right. And it, it's really difficult. But that level of self-awareness is where it starts, right? Because these things are so deep-rooted, we can't expect to change mm. overnight. Mm. But that, that self-awareness is is the start. You know what? Now feels like a, a, a good time to take a quick break. So we'll do that, and then we'll be right back. I often get asked why I'm such a big fan of wrestling. And it's all thanks to my grandma. Growing up, we would watch matches together. And that bond turned me into a lifelong fan. Hi. I'm Freddie Prince Jr., and on my podcast, Wrestling with Freddie, we know how important it is to have the right teammate, because things can get pretty tricky, quick. So, when things get complicated and you need help, State Farm gives you options. They show you what's possible for ensuring what matters to you. 
One of the things that matters to me? Sharing memories and revisiting wrestling's greatest moments. And with State Farm's support of the Michael Tura Podcast Network, I get to do just that. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite Michael Tura shows wherever you listen to podcasts. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. All right, we are back and moving on to, to something that I know is really close to your, your heart talking about immigration, right? And mm-hmm. and the border, you know, when it comes to uh, Mexico, I mean, we've had some news there recently as, as Biden has announced that effective May 23rd, they're going to end the Trump era policy of, of Title 42. And for anybody not familiar, that, present, that uh, prevents people who are seeking refuge from dangerous or harmful conditions from applying for asylum in the United States. Now, this is getting you know, kind of, as you could have predicted, backlash from Republicans. And then yeah. it's also now allowing them to use this as leverage to fight back against Biden, trying to have a COVID relief bill to get more money for testing and things like that. But the scary thing to me, you know, kind of all this is to be expected to a degree, right? When you're talking about the pushback from Republicans, and you would hope that Biden would understand that, uh, you know, something like this is incredibly terrible. But there was a, a poll done and they were saying that the majority of registered voters in this country, 56%, actually oppose Biden from removing uh, the, this Trump era policy. I mean, so it, it's it's no surprise when we live in America, but it still is shocking to think that more than half the country doesn't believe that these people's lives are, are worthy of, of being saved, essentially. I mean, as somebody of Mexican descent, you protested, you sing about this type of stuff in your music. I mean, how does things like this make you feel? I mean, I, I'm not surprised. Mm. I think there's like a mentality, especially like I was in an Uber I'm in LA right now. And I was in an Uber yeah. and like there was a, a young Filipino man who was driving me who was talking mm. about immigration. And he right. was like, you know, there isn't enough space for us. There isn't enough space for like, you know, it's really, it's really packed in here. We can't have more immigrants coming into this country. And I'm like, no, America's really big, right? Like, you know, there's right. enough space for us. Like, it might not seem right. like that because everybody's fighting for land here in LA. But like, mm-hmm. you know, there's a perception, I think, especially among immigrants or new immigrants, first gens that think that there's not enough space for us. Like, I have to hold this and I can't let new people right. come in. And I feel yeah. like they, once they are, the deciding vote, they also contribute to then the Republican side and, and sometimes even become mm-hmm. conservative as a result. Sure. And I suppose the media contributes to the idea that there isn't enough for all of us, but there is right. like there are yeah. places in Montana and Idaho right. and 
Ohio. It's like there's plenty space for all of us. It's just, yeah. you know, if 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 people believe that there is this um and I think this is historical, the idea of the outsider. Oh, right, you know, right. we can't let them in. They'll bring disease, they'll bring Mm-hmm. Um, crime will go up as a result. Mm-hmm. It's all—it's mm-hmm. the same narrative for like hundreds of years, like all over the world. You're like, oh well, yeah. Do people just get a clue? Like they're selling you the juice. Don't drink it. And right, well, <laughs> people don't though. That's the scary part. Like literally, history like is just repeating itself over and over and over again. Even yeah. down to what we saw with COVID and people fighting against. Yeah, it. Yeah. happened when the Spanish flu happened, right? And. Yeah. And then even this notion of there not being enough room. I mean, we've heard that argument when mm-hmm. it came to Puerto Ricans and like yeah. when they were sterilizing Puerto Ricans on the island that, yeah. oh, there's, there, oh, you know, there's too many for, for that area when that That's was right. just a lie. You know, it's like these same talking points keep happening over and over again. And, and the reality is just a vast majority of this country is uneducated in that and yeah. believes everything that they hear on, on TV. You know, they don't yeah. understand that oh, people are lying to you, that they don't actually have your best interests in mind. Yeah. And I think in the the denser cities, you know, it seems like it's cramped, but that's by design, you know, that's like, they pushed all the poor people out, you know, gentrified the area. So it's like, well, of course, and of course you don't want, if it's a predominantly white area, like I'm Mm -hmm. I'm currently staying in a very predominantly white affluent area. And I could see how they wouldn't want like an influx of Mexican people unless they're working on their yard or cleaning mm. their pool or something. But that's the only Mexicans right. that I see in this area are the people who are working. And it's bizarre right, for right. me because I'm Mexican and I'm just like, man, this this <laughs> this is fucked up. I just right. I, it's messing with my head at the moment. But like yeah. I, I get it. I get it. And I think that people are just gonna have to eat it on this one. They're just mm. gonna have to because you are entitled by the constitution. To come here yeah. and claim asylum. That is right. their right. And ending that was like, just during COVID was, I don't even, because, you know, my mom works at a shelter and there's actually a woman mm. who I spoke to yesterday who, she's from Sudan and she's yeah. stuck in the shelter trying to just get an ID so she can see her kids. She hasn't, she's been separated from them for eight years and she's wow. from Norway. She's from Norway. So she has a Norwegian passport, but because she's black, it looks super fishy and she can't travel through Texas. We can't drive her there because they have an immigration checkpoint where they ask you if you're American or not. So, so we're trying to find a way, like how we can get her, her ID. Maybe she comes to California. So that way she can go see her kids, get with the consulate and hopefully get her, her ability to stay here legally. But she's been here undocumented for 11 years. And it's like, I'm like, she needs to claim asylum. She has the right to claim asylum, but she can't. So it's it's just right. been a very, very, like, these are people's lives we're playing with, and all they want is yeah. a better life, like us all. And right. we're the ones who are causing these mass migrations. So it's like, right, right. you know, I I, I think people are mostly ignorant. So it, it doesn't surprise me that so many people are against something like this. Um, yeah. Really, I I look at the border and I'm just like it's it it weighs on you. You're just like yeah, of course. Lose hope in humanity that mm-hmm. <laughs> we yeah. care about brown people. It doesn't seem like right. we do. Yeah, it it's it is it is hard to kind of keep the positivity and to not get angry and to want to be a you know a contributing member to a society that doesn't seem to want to accept you as equal. I mean. Yeah. 
you you look at you know the way that Ukrainian refugees were were welcomed with open arms, and, and I mean, obviously, what's happening in their country is terrible. But when you look at the contrast between a place like Haiti, where the terrible things were happening, and they were being sent back and being unwelcomed here, you know, when after earthquakes and after their leader was was assassinated, you know, and obviously the the volatility of Latin America and and, and Central America, you know. Um, these are people that are in just as much danger on a regular basis. And it it shows you that the people being welcomed with open arms, we have empathy for those who are white, but but when it's a brown or a black person, we can't seem to find empathy. You know, we, we have to make it as difficult as possible for these people to, to get the safety that they're seeking. You know, it's a really telling, telling thing. That has been a very, like, you know, with respect to the Ukrainian people, because war is always a war on children and women. So it's like, it's, there's no, there's no uh, words for that. But but when yeah. it comes to the way the media has spun this and people, and people right. I think we're just not used to seeing Caucasian European people in mm-hmm. misery, in war. I think right. we're so used to seeing in Afghanistan, we're so used to seeing brown and black pain and suffering. Mm-hmm. And it's so yeah. normal that you're just like, oh, right. that's just the Middle East. It's always been that way. Oh, that's just the drug right. war in Mexico. It's always been that way. And you, mm-hmm. don't, you don't bat an eye. We're so conditioned. It's the same thing with this woman. I think it was Gabby Petito who went missing. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and in mm-hmm. the same area, 700 indigenous women had gone right. missing. And you're like, yeah. does yep. any, if I go missing, no one's going to give a shit about me. There's not going to be, mm-hmm. I'm not going to make a headline, you know, and sure. that, that worries me. That worries me for my sisters and everybody yeah. in my family. It's, it's just the sort of thing. Like why, why, is, why yeah. I get it. I get it obviously in the context of history, but um, right. if you just ask yourself, like, when is that going to change? Because we're a mm-hmm. big minority. Latinos are a big minority. Black yeah. people are a big minority. It's like, you know, so I, I don't know. I think that the government's trying to control the amount of Latinos coming from Mexico right. and otherwise because we have yeah. more children on average. Mm-hmm. I think we have like five to one. And right. And the census <laughs> numbers are, are showing like we're, we're out here. We're coming up right to your point. So it's like I think that they're just really scared because they're not yeah. the Europeans are not from here. So they're, mm-hmm. you know, having less and less children. So are Mexican-Americans. So it's like the Latinos from Latin America who are coming here are going to have lots of babies and then we'll be browning the country. And in 500 years, I believe it'll be brown again. So it's like you're trying to seek to keep power the way that I see this whole immigration. Yeah. Hmm. Absolutely. And, but, but to me, even like for anybody who may not agree with immigration, I would, I would just point you to look at what your politicians are telling you, right? Because hmm. they're, they're using this, they're using not giving out relief for COVID, which is an issue still. Mm-hmm. They're they're using that as leverage to try and get Biden to not do this thing, right? So they're literally telling you, we don't give a damn about your safety. All we care about is passing policies that we see fit. Like so that, that to me that should be the most telling thing, whether you agree with this or not. Like if they're literally telling you to your face, we don't give a damn about you as human beings. It's all <laughs> about putting our own plans in action and us remaining in power. That's the scary thing to me that people just seem to ignore that and not give a damn about that. I think if they think if they start to do numbers with asylum seeking, they don't want to encourage that into get the word into Latin America. And then you have a larger mm-hmm. influx because that their houses are on fire that El Salvador, yeah. what's going on there with, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's volatile. It's all volatile for the people. Yeah. So it's like, I don't, 
I don't blame anyone for leaving that type of that type of um, crime and violence. But that to me is a war. And I always wonder, like, why isn't the government calling the narcos terrorists? Mm. I don't like to talk about narcos because we live by the border and they run everything. So I, of course, I don't like to openly speak about them, but. Um, but I wonder why the government's so hesitant to claim that these people are living in war conditions, the same as any right. there's guns and mm-hmm. <laughs> there's murders every day. It's, it's, right. um, I, 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 I try to find it in, within myself to try to like, cause a few women have been murdered recently in the past couple of months in mm. Ciudad Juarez for speaking out publicly. One was a, she had a radio show. Mm. And she was shot dead in her car and it, she's from El Paso. And it's kind of yeah. one of those things where it's like, they're the issue, but right. they're funded by us. We're right. the reason right. they exist. So it's mm-hmm. like, you know, we have to be a part of the solution so that we can have people stay where they want to live with their family right. with their, in their homes. Like nobody, why the hell would you want to come here? You know, if right. you're living in paradise, you know? Right. I don't that, that that that's the and that is the to me like the driving home point that that people don't realize they're not coming here because they want to have to learn a new language and like give up their trade and learn some menial job that they can only get because they don't speak the language you know what mm-hmm. I mean like they're not coming here for that they're coming because it's so dire where they're from that they have no choice if they want to survive right yeah. So, the, the U.S., because of its terrible policies with Latin and Central America, is why there's so much turmoil, you know. And and like you said, the, the support that we're giving to these people who are causing the turmoil, you know, that's why. Like, it, like that, that should be the focus. And people need to kind of realize that. Like, if you have a problem with immigration, you feel like it's getting too crowded. The answer is not, uh, you know, sealing off the border. That doesn't solve the problem. The answer is actually doing something mm. in these countries that are in dire need of help that mm. we contribute to the problem, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's the same with like agriculture. They ban, if something's contaminated in Mexico, they ban it from coming yeah. in. And yeah. it's because their water's contaminated. And I'm like, well, they're growing 80% of our produce. They're keeping us fed. Yeah. Shouldn't we invest right. in their watering systems, cleaning them for sure. them? You know what I yeah. mean? It's like, yeah. we don't, we shouldn't put extra tariffs and making it harder for them to run their operation. We could be helping them get better water systems it's like we could create an economy for all of us something that works for everyone because Mm -hmm. we're all part of the americas but america doesn't want that america does not want a union does not want a unified south america it it doesn't Mm -hmm. want it it really doesn't want that because that would be too powerful that would be like an eu that could be right scary very scary right it, it is sadly always uh, about power at the end of the day for, for yeah. these people, you know, these career politicians. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, obviously, we've been talking about some really heavy shit on today's show. <laughs> I want to get into some positive stuff and honor some people who are doing some incredible work. We'll do that in our Mi Gente segment. But first, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. I often get asked why I'm such a big fan of wrestling. And it's all thanks to my grandma. Growing up, we would watch matches together, and that bond turned me into a lifelong fan. Hi, I'm Freddie Prinze Jr., and on my podcast, Wrestling with Freddie, we know how important it is to have the right teammate, because things can get pretty tricky quick. So, when things get complicated and you need help, State Farm gives you options. They show you what's possible for ensuring what matters to you. 
one of the things that matters to me? Sharing memories and revisiting wrestling's greatest moments. And with State Farm's support of the Michael Tura Podcast Network, I get to do just that. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite Michael Tura shows wherever you listen to podcasts. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. I actually saw you repost this on your Instagram and it was uh, in Amazon Warehouse in Staten Island, New York. That was the uh, first one to unionize. So you had Christian Smalls and Derek Palmer. They're the guys leading that that organizing and, and it made history as the first uh, Amazon warehouse where the majority voted to form a a union and they're fighting obviously for employee benefits and, and advocating for better working conditions. Hey, all of the above that we've heard. I mean, for you, why was that so compelling that you felt like you had to had to share that news? I mean, the odds they're up against. They're yeah. these are like I mean, you really have to know, you really have to be working class to know this. Like you really mm-hmm. do. Like I've been working yeah. at, like I've worked in warehouses. I've worked as a, mm-hmm. as a waitress. I've worked at H&M and these like, yeah. but, but living in Europe, at least in Norway where I live, I'm unionized. But in mm-hmm. America, especially in Texas, you sign an agreement that's called at will. So they can fire you at will. And they say mm-hmm. you, you have the right to talk about a union, but if you get caught talking about a union, They'll fire you and they'll just be like, well, it's an at will. I can fire you for whatever reason. So you're terrified. You don't want to start talking about it. And it's, Mm -hmm. and this is like, gosh, there was like, you know, I don't know if you remember this Oscar Mayer. People tried to, Mm -hmm. the the workers, they're undocumented workers working for Mm -hmm. Oscar Mayer. And like, I think it was like, I don't know if it was, it was somewhere in the South. And they were trying to unionize because of sexual harassment and other terrible Mm -hmm. things. And yeah. the execs got wind and they called DHS or immigration to pick them all mm. up. And it was the largest immigration raid in history, in American history. Mm. And then yeah. the next day they put out like a, a mass hiring thing so they could have more mm. people out there. But they literally just took the, the parents and mm. left the children. Yeah. So it's a really, it's a really big thing to have a union. These people, our people failed because they got mm-hmm. caught and they were undocumented or unprotected. So when I yeah. see like this level of a win, it's mm-hmm. I this is like this is one of those moments in history that will be the wildfire. It is the mm. the Arab Spring. It will show mm. you that you can do fucking anything. You can beat the richest yeah. man in the world. Richest right. man in the world. He could right. hire lawyers forever. Forever. Right. But yeah. they they did that. 
And I just, yeah. you know, I, I'm the, I just, you know what? Uh, there's, I'm speechless. I really am. Yeah, I am speechless. It, it, and I love that the president uh, of this union, like, literally, just was a New York dude. You know what I mean? Like, I loved. He was on there on TV. He had his chains. I think he had a girl in his mouth. And I was like, <laughs> I love this man because. This dude is like literally any dude walking down the street in New York yes. City that I would that you could yes. run into, you know. And both both the guys, the president and vice president, are black, and and it's incredible to see that because, like you said, that that is that fire, that is that inspiration. Like, look, yeah. these are literally everyday dudes. You know, you're yeah. not talking about people in suits. You're not talking about people who are like Ivy League educated or have a cosign from some sort of Harvard lawyer or yeah. something like that. Like, these are everyday dudes, and they they manage to do it. And to your point the beating the richest man in the world essentially at his own game you know what i mean and there is something absolutely there's something so beautiful and and just man incredibly inspiring uh about that for sure it's it's been wild i've been rooting for them for so long they have terrible working conditions and it's like Mm -hmm. you know we deserve a working living wage. And now when they unionize and they show what they can get, you get $30 an hour, you can Mm -hmm. get sick pay, maybe maternity leave, like the things they can get now and job protection, Mm -hmm. like, because they can't just fire you in Norway once they hire you. They can't just do that because you're unionized. And when you're unionized, they can't fuck with you. Like, and I saw the CEO of, of Starbucks coming up to his people saying like, oh, you know, there's a threat to us right now because of these unions. And I don't know how they fucking demonize unions. Can right. I cuss? I don't know if I can cuss. Yeah, do your thing. Yeah, talk from okay. the heart. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was cussing, the but, um, but it just um, yeah. it seemed like, how did we get from being unionized in the 1950s, one of the, the best yeah. generations, you know, to yeah. like demonizing them where we think like, oh, no, socialism. I, I don't right. get it. I don't. Yeah. I, I what don't. I don't get is you have a guy who's like a, a multimillionaire or a billionaire telling you there's something threatening us, guys. It's like, what? I'm making $15 <laughs> an hour. Like, our situations are vastly different. You know what I mean? Like, how the, like what, in what fucking world are we in the same boat and having the same threats, right? Like, that's yeah. why Trump thing never made sense to me either. Like, Trump is the working man's, like, savior. This guy never worked a day in his life. What never. the hell are you guys talking about? You know, like. It, it, it literally just things like that fresh me because it's just so much idiocracy and yeah. like people, you know, uh, glad to see people fighting against it and realizing in situations like this. But there are so many others who get brainwashed by, you know, the, the, the people in power at their jobs. And it really is sad to see. That is I think that is the saddest thing to see. And it's mostly suppression, suppression of voices, mm-hmm. the way they've created like these really like terrible work environments, huge turnover rates. Like yeah. capitalism is a beast. And it's just... Mm-hmm. I just feel like here in the free world, there should be unions because yeah. that is the only way for at least working class jobs to get the kind of rights that they deserve. We all deserve mm-hmm. them. And it's like, yeah. you are powerful if you are in numbers, you know, and he yeah. said, I think he said that was so remarkable in his speech was that don't quit your job, you know, yeah, yeah. come together, assimilate. I was mm-hmm. like, Thank you so right. much for saying that because a lot of people don't want to stick their neck out. They're like, oh, I got yeah. kids to feed. I can't lose my job, you know, or they just right. quit and get another one. And it's like, you don't solve anything when you back away. And right. I mean, I, I'm really proud of them. They, they have done something historical. So it's big, big moment. Big, big moment. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And, and I, the last thing I would say is for anybody who's like, 
against this and doesn't understand the importance of it. Look at a company like Walmart, who who has like so many of their employees are on food stamps and things like that. And if you're just a dollars and cents person, again, you're the one paying for that extra money that those employees need, right? right? So while the CEOs of Walmart are, are, are becoming richer and richer because they're, they're paying right. their employees wages that they can't live mm -hmm. off of, it gets kicked back to the rest of us. Mm -hmm. So that should anger you. The fact that these guys who are rich and, and don't have to worry about money, we're paying for the part of their employees, you know, livelihood because they're cheaping out on that. Like that, that should enrage you, you know, in the most way, regardless of anything else, like that should, that pisses me off. You know what I mean? So I don't understand how anybody could have an, have an issue with that. Things like that just, just don't make sense to me. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I've, I've been through my own issues with one of my other, my older jobs where we were trying to get unionized and people were like, they kept, they liked to hire in this company um, people who were new immigrants. So they didn't know their rights. They didn't mm. know the language very well. Right. So because they weren't, we were trying to get unionized. We, we, didn't, we didn't win because the turnover rate was so high that you then have to keep convincing the new people to unionize. And it's like, and this was in Norway where unions are perfectly free and legal, like to talk about yeah, actually yeah. that they will bring the spokesperson from the union to the location to talk and help recruit people. Mm. So it's really like a great mm. free environment. But this company in particular was a Spanish company. I won't name names, but they were, <laughs> they were like really anti-union. I'm like, well then don't come to Norway. If you don't like it, leave. Right. Like don't employ us. Right. Right. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's, it, uh, it, it's terrible. I mean, obviously, there are always going to be people trying to take advantage of the system. That's why it's so important for, for everybody else to be fighting back and, and organizing. And like you said, there's definitely strength in numbers. And we have to realize that, you know, but I want to now get to your, your music quickly. I mean, there, there are two songs in particular that I really want to want to get to. I mean, let, let's start with the, the latest single, Exito. Now, I've, I've heard you explain what it's about. And it's a really deep meaning. But uh, I'd love to hear it in your, your own words for anybody who's not familiar. Um. I would say like, I, I usually let people like try to, you know, if it's not something that, especially love songs yeah. or success songs, something mm -hmm. about your like growth. Right. I'm like, well, what do you feel? Because mm. I love to know. Yeah. But for me, it was just like, just a moment of taking really big risks. Mm. You know, we are, it's, it's I, I often feel like we always let fear control our decisions and who we love, what we do, where right. we go, you know you're safe, you need to be safe. You don't mm -hmm. want to quit your job because, you know, you don't want to take the risk to a leap of faith on yourself. I yeah. feel like we're never betting, we're never betting on ourselves. Yeah. It's, a, it's definitely a song about, you know, taking the risk to love and to invest in yourself. Mm -hmm. I know it's like all these things, but it's, at least that's what was in my heart at the time when I wrote it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I mean, I, I think it's, it's funny because I don't think we realize how love is so much a part of our our life even when you're not just talking about it in the romantic sense right but it should be kind of mm. leading every decision you make be it love for yourself mm. right and making decisions mm. that reflect that love for yourself the love for the people around you the love for the you yeah. know, place that you're, yeah. you're living you know and yeah and i think that's a beautiful thing because we all have to kind of learn to overcome the tragedies that we've all experienced, right? The the downs that yeah. we've all experienced, the letdowns yeah. that we've experienced, you know, and the only way for happiness is to say, okay, well, all that stuff has happened, but I'm gonna take another swing. You know, I'm gonna go, you know, I'm gonna take go step up and, and, and get to another at bat, you know, because this might be the time that I actually find what I'm looking for, you know, in this in this particular circumstance. Yeah. 
So that's why I, I kind of found was pretty profound about about this this song. I don't know if I'm taking it a little too far, but that's what I. No, was. you're like spot on. Yeah. You're like spot on. You're really listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See that that's good. And, and then mm. the the last one I wanted to talk about because this was kind of a bit different for you. Uh, the track Sangre, which was uh more of a like spoken word um you know mm. piece, which I loved. I I've been super into like spoken word over over the pandemic. I got into it, and it's been something I found to be really kind of moving, you know? Um, so, I mean, let, let's kind of talk a, a bit about that. I mean, what was the inspiration for wanting to do a spoken word track? And then also talk about kind of the, the meaning behind it and what you were referencing. Um, I mean, it was just there. I mean, I heard, I think it was, it was 2018 that I wrote it mm. and I was really mad. I yeah. heard a speech by Donald Trump and I was just really mad. I was just fuming mm -hmm. and I was like, let me just write this down. And I, I wrote it in or just mm. I said it yeah. in one and it was just to get all that stuff out of like how you feel it, 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 I wanted it to feel suffocating because yeah. I felt suffocated just I'm far away from my family but yeah. the crisis at the border yeah, and the feeling that like this was obviously before the pandemic right. but it was like ICE had upped its um, presence in El Paso at the time mm -hmm. and you know my mom had said that they came in unmarked vehicles and they had guns to people's mm -hmm. heads because they thought that they were doing something and I'm like well, well they're not allowed to just roll up into your home right. or around the area with unmarked vehicles in masks like yeah. ski masks and guns that's like it's scary. that's crazy yeah. yeah it's scary and it's it's just another form of suppression and I just was really mad and yeah. I thought like everything we're seeing, it's all connected mm. the way that the violence on both sides, you know, this heavy policing is a result that it or it's the catalyst is, oh, we have to protect the borders from the crazy, you know, narcos. Yeah. But it's like the narcos are friends with our politicians. They're, we're all, right. they work for us. Right, like, right. You know, so it's like this, you know, really weird like who is the Joker without Batman kind of thing. Mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm. how it felt. So that's why I wrote it because I just wanted to get it off my chest. I wasn't sure if I'd keep it. Yeah. But then like everybody that heard it was like, this is really powerful. Yeah. And I'm like, well, maybe I should keep it. So it was, we kept it. Right, right. I, and I think there's always something so, so beautiful about capturing that moment in time as far as your feelings go, right? Like, you know, because obviously a lot of those issues still stand today. I mean, you know, there are a lot of people who still agree with the words that he spoke and things like that. But that that anger that you felt, you know, I'd, I'd imagine to a degree it subsided. It's not as intense, right? Because time has passed. But being able to look back on on it when you hear that song and like you're you're able to kind of really capture that moment in time. It's almost like a photograph, but it's so much deeper than that. You know what I mean? It's like you're you're yeah. able to to turn something that was so hurtful to you into like this incredible and, and beautiful work of art i can only imagine like that that has to be such a great feeling now looking back on it uh what four years later i mean what i think what makes me sad is that nothing's changed mm, i think that's, that's when i look at it i'm like not a damn thing right. for us. <laughs> and it's all the same shit whether it's uh, biden or it's, it's yeah. not it's, right. they all feel the same about us right like they don't care about us so. yeah um you know i look at the the prison systems and just like you know just the way they they're throwing felonies that mm -hmm. young men of color mm -hmm. just like trying to make anything stick to get them in prison and i'm like yeah how how is this legal how is this okay how are we not mad as hell how are we not marching to washington like why are we not together like black and brown people yeah. like we are so powerful 
that is why that Amazon yeah. win is like it's it's going to be a pivotal shift in what we can do. Right. Because I think that Jeff Bezos is almost more powerful than the United States mm. government. If you ask sure. me, yeah. <laughs> he's got he's got so much money he could buy America if you wanted to. Right, right. There are people who are a lot less rich than him that have bought uh, politicians, you know what I mean, that have politicians yeah. in their in their back pocket and you're right, that is something we we have to be very uh very very fearful of and, and to your point, I, I I agree. I think as black and brown people we should be coming together, you know. And and I and I want to see this even in media, you know what I mean? Like people of color in media don't allow these narratives to go out there like you know do do your part because when you look at how they talk about like the the opioid epidemic like that is something that is looked at with oh my goodness our kids are dying on the streets and things like that and then you look at it in contrast to how they talked about you know the the crack era and all these things and it was like you know they were placing all the blame on on the users but when it's opioids because that affects you know white kids the most it's like, oh my goodness, we need to help these kids. We need to fight against these companies that are putting mm -hmm. it out there, you know? And, mm -hmm. and 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 we just have to wake up to that and and understand that there's so much more, you know, at stake than than this sort of steady paycheck or or just being happy to be in the room. You know what I mean? Like we, we have to start correcting some of these narratives in wherever we are, you know, from unionizing mm. Amazon or if you are, you know, somebody like I said in the in the media, you can't allow these these things to to go over um you know the the airwaves and, and to that be okay you know what i mean especially now like if you get wrongfully terminated in the media like none of these companies want to deal with that in the press so you have the leverage you know what i mean like mm -hmm. you know we have to start calling people out and and and, and let them know like yeah. no this is not okay the stories that you're telling the narratives that you're, you're putting out there i i completely agree with that i i know they would be like oh it's freedom of speech but it's also like if you have huge platform you shouldn't be able to just you know say anything that, right. that reminds me of that that massacre in johnstown mm. johnstown in south africa where it's like well you know you could make people do crazy stuff even if you look at rwanda with the massacre there it's right. like they were able to get on radio and then convince you to kill your neighbor it's mm -hmm. like you know really scary stuff can come from this type of platform i people have fought me on this you know like oh we, we shouldn't take trump off twitter that kind of thing. See, I, and I'm like, no, I, I think you and I fall in the same. I like, I, I listen. I, I agree. I'm in media. I understand freedom of speech, but when it crosses the line that it begins putting people's lives in danger, to me, that's when you have to step in and say, okay, enough is enough, right? Like we saw January 6th that happened. Like he literally said some words, galvanized people, and they went and and committed, uh, you know, treason against this country, right? And and. That that should come with with you know repercussions. I mean, even somebody like Alex Jones is like getting sued by those families, um, you know, from from the Sandy Hook massacre, who he was saying was a, a, a was you know was made up. That they're all yeah, they're actors yep. and things like that. Like yep. at the very least, we should be organizing and suing the shit out of all these Fox News and all these people because of the 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 things that they're putting out there, right? Like the messaging they're putting yeah. out there, it's reaching the people in the streets, and you see it when you see one of these Karens go off and the talking points that they have are yeah. verbatim from yeah. these newscasters. Yeah. So there is actual yeah. real world repercussions to it. And that's where I think the policing needs to happen. Yeah, it's like blatant misinformation. Right. Because they know people don't want to do the research themselves. Mm -hmm. So they'll they'll be like, they'll just eat it up. Right. I have an uncle who's like avid listener to like this really right wing. Mm -hmm. Like and I ask him like, yo, why, right. why are you listening to right. this? <laughs> like, you know, because it's it's just like just just like lie after lie after lie after mm -hmm. lie and i'm like 
you know, it's easy to believe it too. It's yeah. not like, I think the Sandy Hook thing's a bit much. It's like, how, how could you believe this is a hope? Right. I get it. Maybe you don't want to admit that this happened mm-hmm. because if you don't care about first graders yeah. and gun control, mm-hmm. if you don't give a shit about that, yeah. then this country is just, right. we're, we're hopeless when right. it comes to gun control. Yeah. Like, so I mean, I get it from the perspective of like a consumer. You don't want to believe something so heinous could happen, but believe it. It happened and we didn't do anything. Gun right. laws are still the same. Right. right. The same. Yeah. We had a shooter come to El Paso, shoot 24 people. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. tell me what's changed about the gun laws in Sandy Hook. And right. Those were babies. Right. So, right. You know, I'm like, yeah, a lot of, a lot of things about this country need to be changed. Right. Right. A lot. And, and listen, it starts with conversations like this and, and it's, it's people hopefully hearing this, that it starts, you know, lighting a little bit of a fire underneath them about what they possibly could do. Right. That's, that's all of us are doing our part, you know, hopefully, right. That's the, the goal with this. And hopefully, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> hopefully yeah. these kind of conversations mm-hmm. inspire that, but, but listen, it's always incredible talking to you. I love hearing your, your point of view and man, I, I just am, am so proud of these, these last few bodies of work that you've been putting out there and, and really. It's, it feels so in line with, you know, your messaging of, of what you actually stand for in this life and, and what you believe in and what you believe is right. And at the same time, you know, creating beautiful art along with it. So I have to commend you for that and, and definitely recommend anybody to go check out all that you have uh, going on. So if you want to push people to where they can hear more, where they can keep up with you on, on Instagram and all that kind of stuff, let them know. Um, my name's Florecita de Luna on all my social handles and I'm on all platforms, on streaming platforms, so you can find me anywhere. Beautiful, beautiful. Anything on the on the way before I get you out of here? Any any new releases we should be looking out for? Uh, yeah, we're gonna have the the album release gonna come out in May 11th. Wow, that's the date we set. So yeah, amazing. First body of work. First body of work. <laughs> wow, congratulations! That's amazing. I'm I'm excited to hear Thank it, you. and uh, we'll have to have you on a, again at some point when that's out. Thank you so much for having me. Man, big thank you once again to Flores for hopping on today's show. She's just absolutely incredible. I love having these conversations with her. And I love, you know, musicians and artists who decide to do something with their craft, with their talent that goes just beyond trying to be famous and, you know, get a Grammy or something like that. Like all that is is fine and well. But I love that she is using her her platform to speak out and to advocate for her people. That's something I can respect. And it's something that I obviously always aim to do with uh, with my platform. So big shout out to her. Again, Exito is out everywhere right now. She's also just got a lot of really amazing singles that she's been dropping um, over the last few months that you should definitely go and check out. Now, with that said, man, I want to hear from y'all. I want to get y'all's perspective on one of these topics. And of course, we'll do that in our Ask a Gringo segment. Ask a Gringo. All right, so I want to get y'all's perspective on this whole Disney situation. You have the woman, uh, Tori Canela, who was uh, who was asked to change her shirt. They gave her a different shirt because they deemed it to be inappropriate what she was wearing. It is a a crop top that kind of is like you know tied together in the in the middle. And people have been debating if Disney is is bugging or not when it comes to this. Now, y'all went crazy on my Instagram. I, I asked people that question right there. Is Dis- is Disney bugging for this? Why or why not? And man, I got a ton of different responses. All right, so let's start with uh, at the Storytime guy who has been a former guest on the show. And he actually used to work at Disney. 
And his response was, I used to work at Disneyland. Dress code of guests and enforcement is entirely up to individual security. He then goes on to say, there's so many instances of security guards over enforcing rules. But truth is, they are not taught what is and isn't appropriate dress code. On the opposite side of that, there were instances where I, who was in custodial, had to report bad dress codes to security because the people at the gates didn't do their jobs. Okay, so I mean, I think to me, this does lead itself to a bit of being a bit problematic because if there is no uniformity to what is considered inappropriate or not, and you're leaving it up to the sole discretion of an individual security guard, to me, that that can lead to, you know, somebody who is just like ridiculously conservative for no reason or has a problem with this person, you know, uh, be it race, be it gender, whatever it is, right? Uh, and then can come up with some asinine excuse as to, you know, that there there's a problem with the way that they're dressed or whatever the, the case may be. Obviously, Disney is a family environment, so that has to be kept in mind. And to be fair, I, I know I was sort of posing this when it came to Flores from the perspective of, you know, the over-sexualization of women, which I think is a, a part of this, you know. And, and let's see, I'm going to read another response that I think kind of lends into that conversation. At A. Bjork says, no different than Wildwood, New Jersey, not allowing sagging pants. Goes on to say, Disney, it's really their own call. They are technically a city slash municipality that creates its own laws. With that being said, no bra, crop top, open center with just the ties. She's going on Splash Mountain. Some pervy dad is going to get a whole show. LOL. I want to touch on a couple of things. You brought up Wildwood, New Jersey. So you're talking about the boardwalk. It's like a beach town for anybody who's not familiar. Doesn't allow sagging pants. I mean, that kind of stuff to me is is like cloaked in racism, right? Because the the stereotype of who wears sagging pants and just being from New Jersey myself, knowing how some of these beach towns operate, uh, you know, as well as how some of these bars and, and places like that, these sort of dress code um, things that they, they come up with are to flat out keep black people away. That That's the, the blatant, honest truth to that, you know? So to me, I wouldn't use that as a comparison because to me, that's just like, uh, you know, some coding for some for some racism. Um, but then, you know, it's being said that her crop top has basically just ties and she's not wearing a bra underneath it and that, you know, some pervy dad is going to get a a whole show. I think to me that that is a part of the problem. And listen, you know, not to say that you're completely wrong there. I mean, obviously, there are little kids. And if her top does, in fact, fall down, like, you know, if you don't want your 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 adolescent to see some woman's boob, like I understand, like that that makes sense. But we shouldn't be like against her outfit because some creepy guy is going to view it in a certain way, right? Like that shouldn't be a part of what we're policing. You know, uh, it it should be that men should just not be creepy and pervy, right? So I mean, I think that part. It's like, nah, I think that men should just be taught not to be creepy, you know, or like be sitting there waiting for this girl's top to fall off or something like that. That's a bit more of a problem with the dude rather than the girl in that instance. And I would hate for that to kind of be the reason why things are like this are policed. And the sad truth is usually that's what it is. You know, like if you're in like a work environment, they're going to tell, you know, a woman, oh, well, your cleavage is distracting to the other employees rather than telling, you know, the men to just stop looking at her fucking cleavage and stop letting it distract you in a work environment. Now, obviously, Stuff like this can can be very intricate. You know, there's different arguments to be made. But first and foremost, you know, as a grown man, we should know how to control ourselves that things like this wouldn't be, you know, an issue for us to enjoy a day with our family at Disney or to do our job in the workplace. But I, I think there are some valid, valid arguments on, on either side of this for sure. Let's see. I'm going to read a, a couple more real quick. At B. Marie says, it depends. She had on booty shorts too and clearly no bra. 
So if she was being extra and caught the attention of someone to complain, then yeah, she got to change. But you see, that's where I disagree because as we've seen with fucking Karens complaining about a guy birdwatching in Central Park, like we can't empower people who are complaining and, and just are fucking miserable in general, you know? And, and that's where the problem, you know, lies. It's like, you shouldn't have to complain about everything. You should be able to just ignore a random person amongst thousands in a theme park like Disney when you're supposed to be focused on like enjoying yourself and your family that I'm sure you're with. So that's where I would I would disagree there. The last one I'm going to read is at Elizabeth underscore ZR. This is difficult. I have two little girls, four and six, and Disney is a family environment. Having the cut in the middle is what I don't agree with. And she's talking about her top. Because any accident and she might get exposed, just like a man wearing little short shorts and having an accident and something being exposed. I, I And I get what you're saying. And that's why I kind of go back and forth on it. But I think for me, where I would see the issue is I, I wonder if a man would be put under the same scrutinization for wearing short shorts like I really do. And I wonder and I'm saying I wonder, but the reality is we probably he probably wouldn't be unless literally like his his dick was hanging out of his shorts like. And he wasn't able to put it away. That's the only time you would see that happen, you know. But other other than that, where a guy is like legitimately exposed, I can't see one of these security guards going up to a, like a man wearing those European cut shorts and being like, hey, sorry, you don't meet our, our standards. Now, listen, somebody has an incident like this. Correct me if I'm wrong. But I think this to me is where the hypocrisy lies. And like I said earlier, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I've been you know, keen to all this shit, you know, for, for the entirety of my life. Uh, I've, I've had conversations like this with my girlfriend. We've gone back and forth on, on different topics like this one. And, and while I don't necessarily agree on everything, uh, pers- this is particular perspective. I can see where it's like this to me lends itself to the idea that women are, are sexualized, right? Where a woman wearing something that potentially is a little bit revealing is a faux pas. But again, if a man was wearing some short shorts, you know, and 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 was well endowed, you know, like I would wonder if the like they would be as on his ass about it having had no exposure. You know what I mean? Like, say he was able to keep it in his pants, but like there was a, a chance that if he bent over the wrong way, um, <laughs> he uh, he might show somebody something they didn't want to see. Like, I wonder if they would have been on him in the same exact way. And again, if you have an instance of that, please point it out to me. But I, I just don't see that happening, and I think that a lot of this falls onto women being viewed as as sexual objects or or even just at the very least sexual beings and that we're critiquing them with that lens, I think, in general. But again, to be fair, I do get family environment, that kind of thing. But I, I, I think this one is right on that borderline where it's not super risque. And if you want to check it out, wearemetoo.com. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes to it. If you want to see the, the picture and like the TikTok she posted. But to me, this is... Right on the line where you have to question, mm, is it because we sexualize women in society and we're trying to protect men who should just know how to control themselves at the end of the day? In this instance, I think it might have to be the latter, especially that you're considering this is like, I think I saw she's like a 23-year-old girl and it's she's wearing something that many people would wear uh, in the summer in a very hot environment like Disney. So that's my two cents. I appreciate all of y'all's opinion. Though. I thought some people had some really good points in there as well at DJ Dramos if you want to be a part of these conversations. And with that said, let's quickly wrap everything we talked about today in a neat little bow in a segment we call Conclusion Stew. Time for Conclusion Stew. So I'm going to quickly go through these things. I mean, you, you heard my my take on, on the Disney thing. And the last thing I'll, I'll, I'll say about that is while there may be fair points on both sides, 
I think this also feels like another instance where men, rather than being told to learn how to control themselves, are sort of given this free pass to like potentially be creepy. And the girl gets punished because of that. You know, the woman gets punished because of that. Now, would I want my my daughter riding the subway in New York at 3 a.m. wearing that outfit? Of course not. I think potentially something like that could put her in even more danger than it is just generally being a woman. But somewhere like Disney, you're out mid middle of the day, a bunch of families, you're with your family. That isn't on the table. So the only other thing is you're protecting basically men from being creepy. Because as far as we know, she didn't have any incident where she was exposed. So that's where the to me, the issue lies. Had she been like on the ride and all of a sudden like, you know, a boob flew out, then I can see them you know taking issue and telling her she needs to put another shirt on. But to do it beforehand, I don't know, man. I don't know. It feels a little weird. Feels a little a little quick to to me. And then, man, on, on talking about immigration, all that we've been seeing, I mean, to Florida's point, not much has changed and, and there's still a lot of work to be done. But I mean, you know, you, Biden is, is is pushing this agenda, but how long did it take him to to do so, right? The to me that that points to a bit of he agreed with with Trump on this on this topic. And and again, the treatment of Ukrainian refugees, which, you know, I, my heart goes out to them. They deserve help for sure. Just seeing the contrast and that just kind of tells you everything that you need to know about how America views black and brown refugees versus white ones. And a lot of work to be done, and I say this all the time, but we all need to do our part. Whatever it is, we, that is how small or how big, we all need to, to do our part. And then the last thing we talked about on a positive note, man, these two dudes from New York, Christian Smalls and Derek Palmer, just potentially changing you know, the workforce as we know it by organizing this warehouse in New York, uh, this Amazon warehouse, and just incredible work. Again, you watch the video of them talking, two regular-ass dudes just putting in the work and making something happen. It's really inspiring and we need more things like this. And that's the only way that we're going to be able to combat just the gross power that the 1% continues to obtain while the rest of us, while the middle class just keeps shrinking and and, and, and life just keeps getting harder and harder for us. So our our power, while it may not come in the, the fiscal sense, we're outnumbering them. And when we come together and we organize behind a, a, a cause, it shows you that change can in fact happen. So just food for thought and hopefully something to, to motivate you throughout the course of, of your life and, and whatever you have going on in, in your life. Now, with that said, thank you once again to Flores for hopping on the show. Make sure you go check her out on socials and check out her music. I will catch y'all on Man Tuesday. It's, of course, Financial Literacy Month. So every Tuesday this month, uh, those episodes will feature somebody putting you on some sort of game when it comes to money, investing, uh, all of the above. So on Tuesday, I'm really excited. We will have Matt, the mortgage guy, who you may have seen on The Breakfast Club a bunch of times. He'll be talking all about, man, we'll, we'll, we'll dive into like how to get approved for your first home. He's a, 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 money, a mortgage lender, so he'll tell you what you need to get approved for your first home. And then for those of us who might be interested in, in making real estate a, a business, it's something that produces income, he's going to teach you all about different hacks he has so that you no longer have to pay you know, a mortgage or, or rent or anything like that. So uh, and man, get the financial freedom that we're all dreaming of. So make sure you check that out Tuesday. I'm really excited for that episode. And with that said, have an amazing weekend and I'll talk to y'all next week. Peace. Life as a Gringo is a production of iHeart's My Cultura Podcast Network. Professional wrestling, like real life, is full of surprises. Hi, everyone. It's Freddie Prinze Jr., and it's no surprise I can talk wrestling all day, any day. 
Kind of like how State Farm agents can talk insurance and help you choose the right coverage. When it comes to important insurance decisions, let State Farm support you with the coverage you need backed with 24-7 support. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.